Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Over the middle, and that is caught in the end zone by Benjamin. Simeon gets hit as he throws, and it's picked off at the 11-yard line. Newton jettisoned him. That's tipped in the air, and it's picked off at the 43-yard line. C.J. Anderson, he's inside the 10. He goes to the end zone, and the kick is no good. Football is back. Can you believe it? Christopher Wesseling is here next to me in the studio. This is Greg Rosenthal, and we're back here on Thursday nights. If you're a regular podcast listener and you haven't been with us during the regular season, we kick off every preview show up here. Me and uh, my fellow scientist, Chris Wessling, talking about the Thursday night game before getting to all the previews. So Dan Handis, Mark Sessler, they'll be on the show soon. But let's talk about this Broncos 21-20 to victory. This was a better game than Super Bowl 50 by a long shot, Chris Wessling. I loved it. I loved every minute of it, back and forth. So many key plays in the, in the third and fourth quarters. Absolutely better than the Super Bowl. And... Let's start by talking about the Broncos offense because, you know, there's a lot of questions about Trevor Simeon and there's questions about what effect maybe uh, Peyton Manning's loss is going to have in the running game. And your boy, C.J. Anderson, to me, I guess if you're picking a player of the game, I think it has to be C.J. Anderson. He looked fantastic. He He was decisive. He showed a great burst, cutting ability to get himself into the second and third levels. This is a guy who I thought was the best running back in the AFC mm. from November through the playoffs last year, and he looked even better tonight. He the, was fantastic. The burst, I mean, he moved so well. He made people miss. And the cutting ability, and just it's crazy to think that Ronnie Hillman was starting over him in the divisional round of the playoffs, right? Malpractice. It's it's insane. Uh, there was a lot of talk, oh, you know, Peyton Manning's going to get them into the right play. And I thought one of the really smart things on the broadcast said by Chris Collinsworth and supported by Peyton Manning was that, yeah, last year, you know, it's a hybrid Peyton Manning offense, Gary Kubiak offense. Now Peyton Manning's gone, and you see some more of those Gary – Kubiak running plays and the offensive line looked good and Anderson, it all sort of made sense tonight. 
Well, for all of the grief that John Elway took for his quarterback decisions, he has two on his roster who are perfect fits for, mm. for Gary Kubiak's boot action offense. Simeon and Paxton Lynch have the athletic ability. Simeon's quick release was a factor tonight, his improvisational ability, his athleticism to get out of the pocket. They were all on display. He did make a few mistakes, uh, two interceptions while he was you know, under pressure. Yeah, one was on a tip pass. To me, he played a very he good game. He missed Virgil Green with a low throw in the end zone wide open, and then he took a sack deep in the fourth quarter. But but other than those four plays, really played a solid game. I mean, I, I thought he looked good. Even the play you're talking about where he threw it low, that was a great play by Coney Ely. He did have that one terrible interception, but he he, he looked like he belonged. Like they wasn't the game wasn't too fast for him. He made some nice plays even on the screen play, waiting for the pressure to get to him. To me, he looked like an NFL starting quarterback. Uh, he crazy. did. He did. I don't know how long he's going to hold off Paxton Lynch, right. who was obviously more talented, but I think he showed enough to make us believe that he can play in the league for well, eight to ten years as a boy wow. starter backup. And and that they're not going to be worse at quarterback this year. I mean, no, that's, that's the thing. I mean, we'll see. But they were one of the worst teams at quarterback last year, and he showed tonight. Probably By not. the middle of the second quarter, he has almost as many yards as Peyton Manning had in the entirety of the Super Bowl. We haven't even gotten to uh, Gary Kubiak's big decision to go for it on fourth down. The key play in the game, I thought. You know, you're going against the guy with the nickname Riverboat, and you out Riverboat the Riverboat. <laughs> Kubiak has an analytics guy in his headset, and he and he got this last year, so he understands the fact of probability in determining the outcome of football games. He could have gone for a field goal to tie, and you mentioned John Fox would have definitely gone for it. Oh, yeah, John Fox would have definitely gone for it. Kubiak decides on fourth down to go for it, get the touchdown. They take their first lead of the game and really never look back. Well, not to mention having a feel for the flow of the game. I think the offensive line for Denver – Mostly dominated. I mean, what did they finish with? 148 yards, including 28 by Andy Janovich. Great post by Dan Hansis on the end around uh, about Janovich's touchdown, the first touchdown of the season. And it, it's a wild game because to me, it punctures a lot of, of these offseason narratives that we've heard, not just about the Broncos, but also the Panthers, which we'll get to. I, I know we can't take all the whole show up, but one of them was that the Broncos' luck is going to run out at some point, that you can't keep winning these crazy close games. And, you know, it didn't, you know, this was a repeat of the Broncos' season from a year ago. They were in a tough spot, down 10 points at halftime. They end up winning a crazy game, a comeback. They win by one point. And they get some breaks, too, along the way. Graham Gano misses the field goal to end the game. That's the biggest break you can get. And they got breaks in terms of the officials not calling a handful of hits when defenders hit Cam Newton in the head. And I think that's going to be probably the national storyline coming out of this game is a lot of this talks of hits to the head. Yeah, he took at least four helmet-to-helmet hits. And one was called. Only one was called. And... That could have changed the outcome of the game if some of the other ones were called. And I really think the hit where DeMarcus Ware bent down low, James Harrison style, with great leverage at his age to still be doing that, Ware knocks Cam Newton's helmet into Von Miller's oncoming helmet. Pretty violent hit, and that wasn't called. But that, to me, was one of the momentum changes in the game. The, The Panthers' offense didn't do much after that play. Well, yeah, you're right. Cam Newton took a couple big hits, and... In the second half, he had. I thought the they played a flawless first half. Carolina came out 
really on top of things on offense. They only got four drives in the first half because one of them was nine and a half minutes and 18 plays. They scored 17 points on those four drives. That's tough to do. They had almost more yards in the first half of this game than they had the entire uh, Super Bowl, or rather the, the Broncos did too. Both teams were moving it back up and down the field in the first half. Second half was a little more how we expected, close to the vest. Despite Cam Newton's poor passing numbers overall, he ends up 5.9 per, 9 5.9 yards per attempt. I don't think he struggled in this game. I think he played pretty well overall. Well, I thought he played – he was dynamic for two and a half quarters. He was kind of silent from that – Von Miller hit until the end of the fourth quarter, but he still leads the Panthers into the 50, a 50-yard field goal attempt for Graham Gano. I He needed a couple of penalties to make that happen, but it, but he, I think you mentioned that he threaded a perfect pass to Ted Ginn on the sideline. Oh, my gosh. To Gano into range. That was an amazing six-yard throw. Uh, the play by Olsen before that, he made a couple nice plays with his hands to set up the field goal. Cam Newton also got the ball back with four minutes left, needing a touchdown to win it, gets him into field goal range. Then they run the ball a couple times. Wasn't sure about that. They kicked the field goal. So he had the ball moving in the last five minutes when he needed to. That's part of the reason why this game was so good. I mean, there was just – there's like a million different things we can talk about, but all I can think about is poor uh, David Ely. I mean, I hope he didn't break bring the champagne bottle that he had for the Super Bowl. That That's, of course, our – our guy downstairs on the edit desk, he famously had the champagne bottle of the Super Bowl, didn't get to open it at work, and then what a crushing way for the Panthers' season to start. Two straight games for the Panthers in which all the breaks, not all the breaks, but many of the breaks go the Broncos' way. And, and I don't think you come out of this game if you're a Panthers fan uh, feeling terrible in terms of the future of this team. I didn't see any signs from them. Oh, they got run on a little bit. That would really work. They were controlling this game for nearly three full quarters. What a game we could keep talking about, and there there will be a lot of fallout from this game, but we want to preview the rest of week one slate. 15 games. Let's send it over to Big Dan Hansis. The Around the NFL Podcast believes you have the ability to make the leap. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. See the How pointing? All the pointing? Yeah. This is on television, on camera. Uh, so um, this uh, this is good for communication. On it pops on TV. How is also on show business one hundred and one on an audio podcast. That's how most people are probably listening. Yes, and I will. We our show our Thursday night early Friday show and our Sunday night recap our flagship show um, will be on video as well. And you could find that where Greg Apple TV. You could find it. You could find something it something better. NFL.com. NFL now. No, you cannot find it on NFL.com. NFL now would do it though. Okay, or, or so you, Dan, Roku? how is the body language over here? I'm just say I'm staying absolutely still for the entire show. Uh, it's it's a little puzzling, a little tight, a little tight. You want to loosen up because okay. you're cool. You're a cool football guy, man. All right, well I'll try that. Anyway, but uh, some of these shows do their video podcast and then the audio podcast suffers. You know, come back to us, everybody. You, you, we will not. Compromise the audio happen. show. No, our, our video show is going to stink, and the audio show will be great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is what we go for. It, you, everyone should watch. It will help us out, especially when we put it on YouTube. We're going to clip it up on YouTube. We're right. not going to show the whole show. NFL Now, if you want to watch the whole program. As they would say, snackable content, a horrible phrase. <laughs> so we finally made it to real football, and you heard at the, uh, the top of the show uh, that was uh, Wes and Greg chopping up 
and making snackable the Thursday night opener between the Broncos and Panthers. And what we're going to do now is break down the rest of the game. So let's figure it out. 32 teams. Two teams already play Thursday night. So that leaves uh, 30 teams divided by two. 15 games to talk about. Nailed it. You, you've gotten better at this. Sir. You are. You're on. I, d- I got a 39 on a state-mandated math test in 1995, but now things are coming together, I feel like, for me. Anyway, <laughs> we're all excited. Let's talk some football. And to do that, Sid, I think there's only one way to bring it in, and we have to bring in some familiar voices from football past. There's glory in the legends of this hard-muscle life, and there's poetry in each season made of sweat and strife. Winds whisper of high hopes. Victory is in the skies. A season awaits with glory in her eyes. One joins with many on summer's green field. Time to strive, to dare, for all not to yield. Sam Spence, John Facenda. One too many cups of coffee for John Facenda there, <laughs> potentially. He just went on and on. That song, or that spoken word intro, titled, A Season Awaits. Mm, no beautiful. longer. And we start with the 1 p.m. games. That's all we'll do. We'll go straight through the schedule, 1 p.m., and then uh, 3, 4 p.m. games. This is all Eastern uh, Standard Time. Sunday night football game, then the two Monday night tilts. And we will start, gentlemen, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, shiny new building, beautiful new dome structure, uh, Chris and Mark. I know you guys are you know, not dome guys, but not this, at all. this place seems like it could be special. But forget about all this. Who else could be special, Greg Rosenthal? Jameis Winston, here's his first game in year two, a breakout season in your mind. Yeah, I think he's going to be a top ten type of quarterback this season. There's no quarterback I'm more excited to watch this weekend just in terms of he's so aggressive down the field and he's going against a defense that's going to look a lot different this season with the two rookie linebackers, Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell, Vic Beasley will be in the starting lineup for this team. Maybe the Falcons defense under uh, Dan Quinn in the second season can start to look a little more like that Seahawks style, fly around the ball, and they're going to be pretty good this year. So I think this is a fun little NFC South matchup. I mean, you've talked, you have been the NFC South's torchbearer all offseason, and you're sticking to it, and I, I admire your um, your resilience on this issue. Do you feel like you, you've also, in our go get He's already lunch, having to be resilient. He's had to be resilient. Yeah. Season they started. Yeah. I mean, you talked about the Bucks as a wild card entry. You have a sandwich on that. Yeah. If they don't win a game against a middle-of-the-road type of Falcons team, are you concerned about everything at this point right in the early part of September? <laughs> it's week one. You know, it's a road game in the division. I think all four of these teams have a chance to make the playoffs. I was going to say, this is, an, uh, this is a toss-up to me, right, Wes? Yeah, I look at this as two teams I see as wild-card contenders. But I don't know if I want to read too much into the first week considering the Falcons roared out to a 5-0 right. and start last year and didn't end up in the playoffs. Right. We, we've learned not to overrate week one too much. But when it's division games, they do count a little extra. It shows up a little extra at the end of the season. I'm a little uh, – I'm very curious to see where Matt Ryan stacks up in this game. Is this the beginning uh, the uh, a bounce-back top season or the continuance – of a decline that really has been sneakily going on for a couple of years. I know I crowed all offseason that, oh, a second year in Kyle Shanahan's offense, you're going to see a whole new Matt Ryan. You know, but the, in the preseason, we saw some of the similar errors that crept up last year. 
I'm I'm wondering too about this Bucks defense. I think it's been an underrated story. You get rid of, rid of Lovey Smith, who I used to believe in, but you get Mike Smith. Maybe the defense is a little more modern. You have the pass rush, uh, which we've talked about with Noah Spence. Uh, you get a quality veteran in Robert Ayers. And your secondary is completely different. You have a top 12 pick. You have Brent Grimes. I don't know if that's going to work out. But you got Miko Grimes. You've got Mike Smith, I think, if <laughs> – People forget how truly bad this Bucks defense was a year ago with Quan Alexander. If Levante David is Levante David, this could be a lot better on defense. Uh, go ahead, Wes. If you look at Daniel Jeremiah's recent recent article on the top rookies, he thinks Hardgraves is the defensive rookie of the year candidate. He had him number two. He looked really good in the preseason. All right, guys, let's move on now. The Minnesota Vikings travel to Nashville to face the Titans. And, Wes, this is a game where you have the Vikings, who are probably still in a little bit of shock that they're entering the season with Sean Hill. you got Sam Bradford waiting in the wings. But for you, Chris Wessling, just like Gregory here, well, just Greg, birth name of it's Greg. Just Greg. The double G at the end ends the name. Hard stop. It's been, it's been a problem for me my whole life. I fought through it. Resilient. It's a good forum for you to vent on that. Just as you're excited, Greg, about Jameis Winston, Wes honking all summer about Marcus Mariota, and here we go. You're going to see something special in week one, right? Honking going back to last year. This guy was impressive. I thought Marcus Mariota had one of the better rookie seasons we see, and that was with no help from the offensive line, no running game whatsoever to sell all the fakes they were doing, and Smurf wide receivers who can't make plays one-on-one or down the sidelines. All of that has changed now. The offensive line massively upgraded. Two really solid running backs. This could be the best ru- rushing attack in the NFL. And then you bring in a rookie, Tajay Sharp. You sign Rashard Matthews. Bring in Andre Johnson for a little wisdom in that clubhouse. Everything's different in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, the, the Vikings averaged more rushing attempts per game than any team in the league last year. So you're looking at two teams that want to do the same thing, especially when you have a 36-year-old Sean Hill in the game, who the last time he started in week one was in replacement of Sam Bradford in 2014. It was a horrendous affair. So are we expecting anything more through the air? Well, do we know Sean Hill is definitely starting this we game? We don't know yet. Well, it seems like it, but yeah. we'll. Mike Zimmer's trying to play a little mind games, and Mike Malarkey's having none of it. He said basically Sean Hill and Sam Bradford are the same bad quarterback. So it doesn't matter which one's starting. <laughs> yeah, he said he said they're close enough that we don't have to prepare any different, which is a shot at Sam Bradford. If there's not enough difference between Sam Bradford and Sean Hill, the Vikings are in big trouble this year. And Tennessee was very bad by the end of last year, and they, they look like a much improved unit. But And that's why I think it's all the more important now when they decide to keep Mike Malarkey, get out to a good start here in your building against the Vikings team that is dealing with some stuff right now. This should be a, a game that the Titans win. If they want to be... The team of ATL. Team of ATL. Take care of business on Sunday. It's be interesting that the last two NFL rushing leaders are in this game, DeMarco Murray and Adrian Peterson. Which one has a better game? And, well, you think that uh, you think that DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry are going to just way outgain Adrian Peterson. I guess we well, all think that. Well, they way after your game. failed uh, go-get-my-lunch bid. I mean, Peterson's <laughs> not going to get potentially eight to ten carries taken away from him either. That's true. Here's the thing, though. The the Vikings don't have any problems on defense. This is the same defense that they had, and they've got a lot of young players. If anything, they've they've added talent, and they're going up against an offense, which all those names you, set, you said sound great, and, and the running game is going to be better. But it's not easy to suddenly completely replace your wide receiver group. It is, And, and it's an improvement. There's no doubt it'll long-term be an improvement. But usually with those to- sort of teams where it's rookies and free agents, you expect them to come out a little slow. 
Titans win this game, Wes? Yeah, no question. You're you're pumped up. You're <laughs> confident. <laughs> let's show the let's show the NFL world what we have in Nashville. Wait, it's a let's now? Yeah. You're on Team the of ATL. <laughs> I think we have a new fan. By the way, we have, ATL. we have Connor Orr, one of our correspondents in Nashville. Ah. And he is currently in a dive bar Whoa. drinking a drink with a big stick of bacon out of it. He's in heaven. So interesting. Shout out to him. Bloody Mary? By the way, not sure. Well, I will say Are you this. upset you're not going to be assigned the Titans game? That means I'm I've already spoken to Ely about this. It was the first thing I requested on Monday, and he told me he that failed. Connor is there on site, so I can't watch this game. You can focus better a little later in Game Pass, you know. Wes, if you're trying to distance yourself from Team of West TL and all that, all that Ooh, honking, ugliness, saying you know we and they already before the voting is taken place, going down a straight makes road. it feel like it's a farce a little bit. I took a straw poll of which you were already aware in the newsroom, and basically we've got four votes for the Titans. Well, the team of ATL. well, you know what you didn't think about here is when the when you have the right vote, you want to make election day. Right away, you never right. know what's going to happen on Sunday. They get they get blown out. They lay an egg. I'm out. I'm telling you, I'm out if they lay an egg on Sunday. I, I would, Very important. I don't want your issue here. You yeah. don't want just enshrine them before the season starts. You want to crown them, crown their ass. You want to make this official? Well, we have to have. I'm uh, not ready yet. We I want to see a game. We have that to is have fair. Pastries and oh, yeah. Danish and Danish coffee. Okay, let's see stuff. something in September, on. not just August. Let's move on and let's move on. To the Cleveland Browns, Mark Sessler, uh, a new season, new hope with Hugh Jackson. They travel to Philly, and this all of a sudden, I think, is a very winnable matchup for the Brownies, who haven't, by the way, haven't won a season opener in over a decade. Uh, but now Carson Wentz, and I don't care what anybody says, I don't like the way they played this. I think this is a guy that uh, is not ready to start football games, and he might struggle uh, badly in Week One. So the Browns have a window here. Do you agree with me? Well. The, the Where I would have an issue with that is that if you're Carson Wentz and you're the Eagles, this is a kind of matchup against any NFL defense from what we've seen over four preseason games. You talk about a rookie facing another NFL opponent, that Cleveland's defense is littered with rookies and first and second year players that have very little experience and have not played together. And so, yes, if you're Hugh Jackson, you want nothing more than to face a rookie quarterback who missed the last three weeks of the preseason. But I don't think that Cleveland has a distinct advantage because, it, honestly, at this point, in the, in, until we see otherwise, they are a bottom two or three Ooh. team in the league, talent-wise. And Philadelphia's defense, with Jim Schwartz running the show, is the story of this game. I think they can shut down Cleveland's run game. And if it's low scoring, that's fine. Philadelphia has more talent. There's, you know, I'd be shocked if they don't win this. I agree, and we're talking about two, wow, shocked. two franchises. Yeah, he's protecting himself. I am not. Continuous. <laughs> yeah. Two franchises acquiring draft picks and looking toward the future. I think that's a pretty interesting matchup, and I do agree the Eagles are further along because when you look at that defense, there's so much more talent in Philadelphia well, than Cleveland. They, it, we don't know what this Browns defense is going to be. On paper, it looks like one of the worst defenses in the league. I am more confident in RG3 and their offense than I am in their defense, which is not not a good sign. I mean, they're right? I mean, yeah. considering what we've last their seen. Their defense was so a bottom three defense last year, and they've replaced the few veterans they had with players that have never played in the NFL. And, and maybe they'll maybe that's how, what you should do. Maybe they'll be better. You got Agba starting. I think you're starting two rookies at uh, outside linebacker. Joe Schobert. I like Agba. Shobie. Get get ready Shobie. for Joe Schobert. Yeah, big Shobie fan. You know who's not picking the Browns this week is uh, I think he works here. Brian Billick uh, said he's no. he stared at the Browns' schedule and doesn't see a win. Well, I don't think in this room that we like to look at schedules 
early in the year and go through all that exercise, but he may not be far off, but the Browns are not building for this season. It's down the road. The the one thing that kind of, if you're a Cleveland fan and you're scared of something, it's Wentz ripping off three touchdowns through the air and running for a 45-yard score. Sign. Because it's just, it's it kind of, it pits everything that they wanted to be. There's going to be a lot of hot takes coming out of this game either way. Well, that's interesting because the Browns, essentially told Tony Grossi we didn't see Carson Wentz as a guy who could develop into even a top 20 An odd move. quarterback. An odd wouldn't, move. It, wouldn't it be something if, if Carson Wentz has that week one, like, oh, by the way, we've been hiding what we have with Carson Wentz this <laughs> whole time, just like the Redskins were hiding RG3 back in 2012. Yeah, and you'd love that. dropped yeah. a bomb on the Saints. Doug Peterson hinted at that Monday's press conference. They've been doing a lot of read option. They've been doing a different, a lot of different fakes, play action, pistol, who knows? I would have never thought the Eagles-Browns, by the way, would be one of the most watchable games of week one. But this well, is a fascinating yeah. game to me because you just don't know anything of what's going to happen. Well, let's find out if it's actually watchable before way, we call it watchable. You could say that for a <laughs> A lot of these games too. This is a wide open week. Yeah. If you're in knockout pools, you're you're you're, you're chewing on the old fingernail. I think Browns fans have about another 48, 50 hours to kind of bask in the glory of the offseason storylines, and then the games begin. <laughs> uh, Mark over ah. under twelve prior receiving yards on Sunday, sixty five. Under. All right, Mark. A lot of hope. Not no believe landed. I believe in the long term plan. I don't think that they're okay. asking fans to ask for ten wins this season. All right, let's move on and talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, who in their last game, oh Maron, a crushing, crushing playoff loss, uh, where they just completely collapsed and should have had a win against Pittsburgh. So now they want to get some revenge, and they head to the Meadowlands to face uh, the New York Jets. Who um, this is the thing that jumps out to me in this game right away. I, I'm I'm excited about the the team in general, the Jets. I'm excited about the defense's potential. I want to see Darrell Revis, and I like that right out of the gat, gate, I get to see him against one of the best wide receivers in the league, uh, AJ Green, because Greg he struggled Revis did against top de- uh, wide receivers last year, and now let's see if he's fully healthy. Will we get the old Darrell back, or is it old Darrell? Well, I was surprised to hear the Jets say. I believe it was Thursday that, well, Revis isn't going to just take A.J. Green one-on-one. It's not like we're just going to leave him out there and it's just going to be one guy tracking him around the field and he's not going to get any help, which I, I don't know. when you, Five years ago, they're not saying that. Do they trust Revis to do Maybe, that today? And why, it's weird that coaches would say that at all. Maybe they're just making, making it up, but basically they're saying he's not the guy from five years ago. Because they wouldn't have said that. Well, that's not a crazy thought. I mean, he's 31 now. Well, they talked about – he's – they've even talked about a shift to safety at some point and maybe was even on the table for this year. I look at this game and I feel like – I don't think it's on for the table for this year. I I would would be be surprised, but but we're already seeing hints of him not being the guy he was before. I mean, this could be a big game for someone like Gio Bernard – who, you know, you got t- no Tyler Eifert. If Revis does swallow up green, then maybe Tyler, Board in the sp- Tyler Boyd in the slot gets some snaps as well. But you have to go somewhere else if green's getting taken care of. Why not Jeremy Hill against a defense that no longer has Snacks Harrison on the defensive line? Another option. You, uh, you think that's a bad run-stopping group, though? I mean, still gonna be Muhammad Wilkerson... Leonard Williams, those two guys are great run stop. I'm just saying most teams don't have those two guys up front as run stoppers either. I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm, I also think Jeremy Hill looked great in the preseason. Yeah. This can be a good rushing attack. I, I don't know what the Jets' run defense will look like without Damon Harrison, who was the best run-stuffing defensive tackle in the NFL for the last couple of years. I'm more concerned about the Jets' back end than I am at the line, but we'll see what happens. I think this is a, another game to me that's a toss-up. The Jets at home, the Bengals – 
uh, trying to find their way with a new offensive uh, setup and missing some pieces. No Hugh Jackson. Let's see what happens. Out of pressure on Andy Dalton. What about on Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Ryan's going to have another nice year. You guys just watch. <laughs> not doubting you, but he's, I do think he needs to get off another to nice a, a nice start. Yeah, and he, was, he did not look very good in the preseason, I will say that. All right, let's move on and talk about the Oakland Raiders, uh, who we talked about this last week or earlier this week on the show that uh, the Raiders were kind of hype bunnies earlier in the offseason, then it quieted down, which I think almost could work out in their favor a little bit, um, Greg. And now they, they head, to the, head to New Orleans to face your boys, the Saints. Uh, to me, another game that could be a toss-up. Yeah, these are two teams where if they were six-win teams or ten-win teams, it, neither would surprise me for either one of these teams. I, I don't think we're just locked in that the Raiders are going to be a winning team right now. I think the Saints accomplished something very big this week, though, with that Drew Brees contract. They threaded the needle of making him happy, extending his contract, and not mortgaging their entire future in terms of counting on him being a great player until they were 40. And I give Breeze a little bit of credit that I don't think – I think he had them over a barrel and he could have made this more complicated than it was, and he did not do that. So I think it was a, it was a nice, little, uh, nice little week for this. And, and, and more money – yeah, more money to patch up a, what a defense that last year was historically awful. And in the, one, the one thing about Sean Payton's later career in New Orleans is we get that you have – an excellent offense every year in your nice little dome, but you cannot continue to allow teams to score 35 points on you. I mean, this is an, this is a team that has, is lacks balance, and it's a great opening game for the Raiders to try to display what they want to do on offense. Well, maybe this is the year your boy, Dennis Allen, 2013. How is he my boy? <laughs> Wasn't he 2013 making the leap candidate? Now he'll make the leap as a defensive coordinator. It's so strange what Greg's able to remember because some days I wonder if you even remember your children's names. I don't oh. remember anything. Oh, and now you're remembering that Dennis Allen was a 2013 Making the Leap con- uh, candidate on our website. Help me Amazing. understand how the Saints are on the Raiders' level. The Raiders have one of the deepest rosters in the AFC. The Saints have signed two players off the street in the past week who enter the starting lineup. I-, I think the Saints have a shallow roster. They don't have a good defense, no matter how you want to spin it, that it's better than last year. They have tons of holes on this roster. It's not a great roster, but I think on offense, you said, how can they be at their level? Because they've got a top five, six quarterback. Well, they're going to need more than that. They have Mark Ingram, a guy you love. They have C.J. Spiller, a guy you love to look very good in the preseason. They have Willie Sneed, who had a great, great rookie season. They have a number one receiver. In Ingram Brandon and Cook. Spiller probably combined to average about one yard per carry in the preseason. But didn't this think- offensive line's a mess. Yeah, I mean, if, if the offensive line plays like it did in the preseason, they're in trouble. I think it's a good test for their offense because Oakland's defense, it has players at every level, and their secondary, which was for years a disaster, finally has some oh. talent back there. If the Saints get shut down, uh, in their building in the season opener. That's a bad sign and a very good sign for Oakland. And I, by the way, I like Kobe Fleener more than you do this year. And I know the reports haven't been glowing about him and this room in general hasn't been uh, that high on Fleener. I think this is a good setup for him. I still think so you're going, going against my advice and playing him this week in fantasy. Well, I have Jared Cook as a, a guy. Oh. So I'm not sure. I might go with Cook okay. out of respect for um, the man that built it. Calloused hands. Fleener is a better Rose. fantasy player than NFL player. That's that's fair. All right, let's move on now, and uh, the next 1 p.m. game we'll discuss an AFC West battle between the San Diego Chargers and Kansas City Chiefs. And, Wes, uh, before we started the show today, uh, Greg and I were, were talking about how some people, I don't want to get into specifics who, 
have the Chargers as a very big underdog this week. Second what? biggest underdog in the entire NFL this week. Right. San Diego Chargers. That is I don't, baffling. I don't want to specify where uh, these type of uh, comments are coming from. It might be a desert area. It might Have I given away too much? I don't know. Wes. <laughs> I was in the Joshua Tree last week. That's a desert area. You talking about that? Were people ripping the Chargers there? No, no, nobody's caring about the Chargers. Are the Joshua Chiefs that better what than the What do you remember from Joshua Tree? Answer the question, Wesley. Very little. <laughs> are the Chiefs that much better than the Chargers? No, I don't think they are. I think everybody's sleeping on the Chargers, who I believe lost more games by eight points or less than any team in history last year. I think it was eight or nine games that were pretty much a touchdown or less. And they had bad luck not just in final scores but in injuries just decimated that roster, especially on offense. Didn't get us, didn't give us a chance to see the marquee matchup in this game, Keenan Allen versus Marcus Peters, because Keenan Allen missed both of those games with an, with a kidney injury. He was on pace to shatter the record for receptions in a season be, before going down, and Marcus Peters could be joining that Patrick Peterson, Darrell Revis, wow. Josh Norman, Richard Sherman. Yeah, that's a great point about Allen because they were a completely different team on offense when he was out of the lineup. 90-plus yards more per game for Phillip Rivers when Allen was in there. I think he's a huge part of what they want to do. You add Travis Benjamin to the mix, that gives you a downfield element. I, I, The Chiefs, we've talked about them as a team. I think they could be an AFC championship type team and probably stop there. But the, I don't look at the Chargers based on last season as some three win, just roll over you in week one and let's look at week two. There's a lot more going on with the San Diego Chargers than that. No, these two teams always play each other tight. They did last year. The Chargers, I think it's a big bump. It's a big disappointment that Joey Bosa is not playing in this game, that he doesn't really Not a big that. surprise. They need him, too. But that that because if you have Bosa, I feel like you have breakout potential at every level of your defense. You have three good cornerbacks, including Jason Verrett. You got Bosa in the mix. Now you have Denzel Perriman, who's our making the leap guy. I think they really need Joey Bosa because that is their probably the biggest weakness on the entire team is on that defensive line. Big week, by the way, for another person Uh-oh. in the desert. Spice rack. Spice rack. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Come know on, what guys. Come on, spice. And who's rack. spice racks for the new listeners? No, everyone that's listening right now has listened for three years. So we're good. <laughs> spice rack is Chris Wessling's uh, desert consigliere on all matters uh, football related, college football related, college football related, and um, you know is currently banned from the show. Uh, for a, <laughs> I didn't know that was official. It's now official. It was a salty appearance, a little unhinged. Is the word that was, more than a little on him that was thrown around? Uh, his initial prediction to us was that Melvin Gordon was going to be uh, an all-pro stud. He was a bust in year one. If Melvin Gordon runs for a thousand yards, Spice Rack unbanned, and it starts Sunday. It's a big year for Spice Rack. Big I, think, year. I think he's got a chance to reappear on the show because. Brandon Oliver's not in the lineup for San Diego no more. They're going to try to make Gordon that guy. And he looked he, good. He hit, and, he, and he, he, he explodes for big yardage on certain plays. We might get spicy back in the studio, much to Greg's chagrin. What, an <laughs> what is that? That's, I, I that's not true. I'm, I'm not, just stirring the pot. I'm with you, Spicy, this year. I got Melvin Gordon I, I, having a big year. He's uh, coming back. Spice we need to Rack's get you back. and Spice Rack in a room together. I feel like you would get along famously. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see it. Connect the tissue between the two. Moving on. Both unhinged. A jail cell. (laughs) The next next 1 p.m. game, the Buffalo Bills at the Baltimore Ravens. And, Mark, we understand where you come from. You despise Rex Ryan. I do not. In fact, when the news came out that Rob Ryan, our defensive assistant, 
had been targeted in an ambush by some thugs in New Orleans uh, who saw him as an easy target because he wasn't Lil Wayne with a bunch of bodyguards around him. That's what the police affidavit David said, uh, you pumped your fist. I saw you that in is, the cubicle. That is highly inaccurate. I am not wishing for crimes to happen to these people. I would like them to keep their mouths closed when the wow. teams they coach are incompetent. Oh, but let's be honest here. Bills and Rex Ryan against the Ravens. There's whole team. There is no other matchup in the NFL that could be more loathsome to the Mark Sessler brand. Yeah, I mean, if a giant bad. like beam of light came down and just sucked both franchises away, I'd be fine with it. But I find <laughs> this to be one of the more interesting matchups because wow, it is because we talked about the Ravens a week ago. Is it one of these other teams that they could go four and twelve and we kind of get why, or they could go ten and six and get back in the playoffs and we wouldn't be that mystified by that. I mean, you've got a lot of new faces. Perriman, Brashad Perriman, Terrence West, who you'll talk about an awakening in Kristen Michael. Terrence West gets out of the city of Cleveland and he suddenly looks like, you know, Jim Brown's cousin. So... (laughs) It's ridiculous. I mean, the guy looks like a different player to me. Like His first cousin? Because he, he'd be like 60. All right. I mean, a distant younger <laughs> thing, relative. Jim Brown probably has lots of cousins. None of them. I don't know if any of them made the NFL. I mean, I think the Ravens are interesting because it's not just all the players you got back from last season, but they continue to bring new guys in and coach them well. And the Bills are, are the one team that I look at from a coaching angle, and it's not a rip on Rex Ryan, but all we've Here heard all offseason, it's, it's just the reality. I think he is the one coach that sits on a burning hot seat from week one. Richie Incognito said it today or yesterday that it is playoffs or bust, and I think bust means reorganize if they don't get this thing done. Let me say one thing as a Rex Ryan historian. He's been in this position before. <laughs> yeah. It was the year when a, a dreadful Jet team went 8-8. Eight and eight. What, what are you laughing at? Rex Ryan historian. Well, I, I, I he know that. <laughs> he has read the biography, and he wrote a book report on it. Yeah. I, uh, that is true. Who else read uh, um, Rex Ryan's autobiography? I read a large portion of it in the Santa Monica Library yeah. and dispensed of it. What? It was not well written. <laughs> Why were you there? Don't ask. I have a Sessler about this case. By the way, even well, Rex has say. not read the Rex Ryan well, let's biography. Let's hear from the historian. Yeah. So, yeah. let, let the historian speak on Rex Ryan. Rex <laughs> likes his back against the wall. The? And when he got fired from the Jets – uh, he had no chance that last season because Idzik destroyed him. The Glacier destroyed him. But the year before when they won 8-8, eight and eight, when they should have been 3-13, and 13, Rex circled the wagons, and he got guys to play over their head for him. I think we're counting out Rex prematurely. I think the Bills are going to be better. And I'll tell you something else on the other side, Wes, before I throw it to you. Baltimore Ravens, they're going to win some football games in the National Football League this year. <laughs> because people sleep that John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in the league. Never had a losing record to last. That well, is I think a, a lot of people coach. think he's a good coach. They are going to be in the playoff hunt, in my opinion. First of all, Rex Ryan's back should have been against the wall when Mario Williams was undermining his whole program last year. Mm. That didn't happen. Nobody came out swinging in the second half of the season. Second of all, I've got a feeling. I've got a Sessler. This game's going to be a smackdown. The Ravens are going to blow out the Bills. Wow. Mm. I, I totally disagree. I think the Bills are going to win this game because they're way more talented. This is not a good – I think people are giving the Ravens plenty of credit because of John Harbaugh, because it's been a great organization. Like, they don't have an above-average player other than Eric Weddle maybe in their back seven. Like, they have question marks all over the place. One note before we move on. This is a team that took a – this is a 9-7 and seven Doug Marone team that went one win less last year with Rex Ryan. That's back against the wall. You are less yeah. successful than Doug Marone right Talented now. team. Doug Marone didn't do too poorly. 
before he decided to step down from head coach. I mean, coach the way he engineered his exit was, yeah. Of uh, <laughs> offensive line coach for the Jaguars. Slightly Interesting concerning. move, career-wise. A, career a weird move. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, the Chicago Bears who travel to Houston to face the Texans. And um, I like the Texans this year. I think they're going to win their division. And I think um, the one thing I don't know anything about, we don't, none of us do, is how Brock Osweiler will fare. But I think he, he draws a pretty nice week one matchup at home against a Bears team that I don't think anybody's really scared of right now. Uh, so I expect uh, the Texans to look good. And I, I wonder, and I think this is a, a huge, two huge things for the, on the Texans side. How will J.J. Watt look? How, how many snaps will he play? Will he be healthy? Will he have a, a setback? I mean, it's a serious injury, as Wes, you wrote about um, yesterday on our website, website. And then your boy, Greg, Jadavian Clowney, uh. making the leap candidate we're going to get a chance to see against the bad offensive line what this guy can do. If, if J.J. Watt looks healthy and Jadavian Clowney is healthy and making plays and Brock Osler looks good and Lamar Miller is going to be a breakout star. Oh, my God. You got Nuke on the outside. You got the rookie on the other. I'm in on the Texans. Dan's wife is from Texas, and I think all this Texas love is starting. Give me a Dean screen, baby. <laughs> All right, I'll calm down now. West. J.J. Watt said he's ready for anything and everything. He wants to play every snap. He referred to his back surgery as kind of fun after the January grueling recovery from five torn muscles in his abdomen. I think he's ready to go. And Mark and I have talked about this. If you watch the Texans defense in the preseason, flying, the, flying around the ball like the 2013 Seahawks, Romeo they are now, fast and energetic on defense, and I feel like they're going to shut down the Bears. Yeah, and the, yeah, and the other – shut out the Bears. Well, the other point here is Chicago. Right. And there's a big issue, and it's called the Chicago Bears. I mean, <laughs> is this going to be one of the games where John Fox says, you know, it's Thursday, I need to sit back and relax. I think a nice 20 to nothing loss is the way you start the season because he did that in the preseason, not a single bit of effort, and last year against the Seahawks. I think you got to – if you're the Bears and you're a Bears fan, you've got to see something about this team to inspire you. Not a single thing in August showed you much promise about the Chicago Bears. They, they – are a victim like the Raiders a little bit that we have three shows all off season long and like when the off season started we were kind of like oh the Bear the Bears actually were frisky they're going to be frisky like they were interesting we were talking up their defense a little bit they they've looked so boring the last month that everyone sees them now as a bottom three team and I agree with that pop quiz Mark because you were out the podcast where I broke this news okay how do you pronounce the um, offensive coordinator of Chicago's name Dowell Loggins incorrect. Dowell Logan. No, Lounds. Okay. Why stand corrected? Lounds. Lounds. That's true. I don't think Bears fans are going to have to remember how to pronounce that name for much longer. Oh, wow. I had the same feeling about the uh, O coordinator in uh, L.A. after Hard Knocks. Uh, Let's move on. Well, the Rams go through coordinators like once every six months. Yeah, yeah. What? Where's Frank Signetti? I think he's in the hard streets, you know, some gritty city kind of flying from metropolis to metropolis finding lost girls and jewelry. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, the final 1 p.m. game on the slate that we'll talk about, the Green Bay Packers uh, traveling to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars, who are very ready to, uh, I believe, maybe steal the show. And I was in Miami with my new beach house. Well, it was a couple minutes from the beach. (laughs) Wait, what? I love that she owns a beach house and the four of us are renting. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, right, we, well, we she, do not have this figured out. You can infer that she probably owns two houses, that she has a beach house. And between the four of us, if you let's throw Connor in the mix. Between the five of us, we have one house. That's Connor's. It's like a frame around her with a sign that says most unlikely beach house owner. <laughs> Jags lady, more successful than us. Good, I'm happy for her. <laughs> yeah, good for her. Here's the game that I love. The, the sneaky good game of the week for me is, yes, the Packers at the Jaguars. Uh, listen, everybody knows if you listen to the show, I'm bullish about the Packers, especially that offense, which I have now predicted and put sandwiches on the line, will average 33 points a game this year, which is a lot of points. <laughs> Got to get started fast. A little, uh, well, they've done it once in 90 yeah. years. Well, listen, there's always time for a second time, and I think it will be this year. I think they'll um, – listen, I'll probably lose that wager, but I think this is a team that could regularly score 30 points a game. I think they have that type of talent, and I think it's all going to come back together in a beautiful way. And then on the other side, you have the Jaguars, and let, let's face it, uh, Jaguars, you got to do something. Do something now. Yeah, I, I don't want – I do not want – I will be furious. I will step away from NFL.com from February until September if they lay an egg and lose 41-14 on Sunday. I want them not only to compete against the Packers, I want them to win the damn game because you can't win your home opener with all this hype around you and all this talent and, and this great coaching staff and this GM that everyone's like, ooh, good to be patient with this regime. Do something. If you if you Surprising want to take that. if you want to talk about one team that way, I think it is fair that it's the Jaguars because look, plenty of good teams lose week one, and you mentioned it, Greg. We overreact to the opening week, but if you are Jacksonville, it's not just some cheesy make a statement. You have to come out and show the players that you have groomed and developed making plays against a one of the most respected teams in the NFC. It cannot be an embarrassment. It needs to be an absolutely powerful showing by the Jaguars. I feel like Jalen Ramsey is symbolic of this entire Jaguars team. Basically said this week about Aaron Rodgers, come at me, bro. I ain't afraid of you. And the Jaguars are brash, young, talented team, confident. But they've got to go out and prove it. Maybe Jalen Ramsey can get picked on instead of. Well, and they don't have continuity, and they like on defense. Like this is a team. You know, Bill Belichick said you don't know your team until mid-October. I don't think that the Jaguars are going to know their defense until mid-October, whatever it is, mid-November. They're going to need Blake Bortles to carry him, or else Dan will no longer be working here. I mean that that was <laughs> surprising. A lot, of, a lot of high stakes. Area area ho- area host. Wants seventeenth his seventeenth favorite team to compete, or else he leaves. <laughs> no, it's more like it's not even about the Jaguars necessarily. It's about uh, the nature of off-season news. Yes, exactly, Wes. And the, uh, the the and being in this podcast studio three times a week and getting pumped up about a team and then being betrayed when real football starts. Certainly not. The first year we took it to the limit. <laughs> they better take it to the limit take this it to year. The limit. For I sure. Some, I have some breaking news, by the way. This news comes from Sully Sullivan behind the glass. The Falcons' new dome opens next year. Yeah, I was going to – I didn't want to – you know, I think that – I just wasn't paying attention. I would have caught that. I there thought you were talking about the Vikings game. It's a fair game note, though, Dan, because, you know, in this old dome one more year, will the people with their with their fingers on the button, if things get rough against the Bucks, be compelled to pump in that fake crowd noise one more time <laughs> to get that place going? Rough under the roof. I don't like people that say roof. It's roof. It's a roof. Let's move on. The late games. Starting with the Miami Dolphins, guys, who, uh, listen, you can get excited about them. Go ahead. Have fun with it. I'm not going to, at least not now. And they, they draw a tough matchup in week one, uh, speaking of knockout pools, because they got to go to Seattle to face the Seahawks, a Seahawks team that we universally believe are loaded a 10-12 to 12 win type team. 
So they're not the type of team with the 12s out that are going to drop a uh, drop an easily winnable game against the Dolphins of all teams in week one, right? This is going to be a cakewalk. Wes? I'm looking for reasons to believe that the Dolphins have a chance, and I'm not finding many, but this is a game. You, If you're Miami, there's a lot of pressure to get your season started on the right foot because in the first four weeks they have at Seattle, at New England, Cleveland at home, and then at Cincinnati. So – if you say there are basically nine Super Bowl contenders this year, they play three of them on the road in the first month. One of them without Tom Brady, but I see your point. Right. I I, I think you you could argue if you it's a, it's a brutal start. But if you're going to play the Seahawks in Seattle, which is on the schedule, week one might be the time you want to do it because Seattle, at least last year, started off slowly. 0-2, right? But they, they lost to the Rams. Well, we thought they were going to be great last year. Well, we also they, their offense, especially every single year in the Russell Wilson era, has started slow. The defense usually has started slow and then finished the season strong. It's fair. The question, though, do you feel like what happened with that offense over the second half of last year that they kind of found out who they were and there'll be less continuity issues? The concern for me with Seattle is more, again, we've seen them, Russell Wilson, thrive behind a shoddy offensive line, but they've already lost their rookie guard and they're shuffling the line around. There's people that have barely played stepping in there. That's a concern because this is a very good Miami defensive line. If people didn't have faith in Tom Cable, their assistant head coach, O-line coach, I mean, this would be the worst offensive line in the league on paper. Oh, I mean, it is on paper. That's a problem. But he makes it work. It seems like it doesn't matter who's out there. It just seems to work. I have zero concerns about the Seahawks. Over under, Wes. Arian Foster, 30 rushing yards. Oh, I go over comfortably. How about over-under Kristen Michael rushing yards 100? I think we know the answer to what Wes will say. Well, there's, but Thomas Rawls is healthy, too. It sounds like they do want to give him work. I'll say over 100 total yards. Wow. Okay. You're back in on Arian Foster, it sounds like. You think he's going to 30 be a, yards is an awfully low barometer. I think, in yeah. Seattle, if you fall in behind. Seattle, I, yeah. I, I could see them moving the ball a little bit. think they're going to play a lot of hurry up because I think they're going to fall behind because of what you said. I mean, the, the young receiver group in Seattle is fun to watch, and this secondary for Miami might be the worst secondary in the league. They're counting on Xavier Howard, who's barely practiced as a professional to be a starter, and they have a bunch of guys who they don't want to put on the field that are going to be on the field in nickel and dime. That's a good formula. Um, let's move on, guys. And I love this game. This is one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, happens twice a year, of course. Uh, you guys don't tend to like it. Giants-Cowboys. I love the Giants-Cowboys as a New York guy. And I think, Mark Sessler, that there's a lot of reasons to be intrigued by this matchup in Gerald World. Do you agree? I, I do, and you're going to like what I have to say this time because I have been very down on the NFC East. I'm shocked this isn't on Sunday Night Football then replayed 45 times on that network on NBC. <laughs> I'm sure their second matchup will be. I, I mean, give me that. a break. But this, for me, is the sneaky most interesting game of the week because Whoa. of all the new faces. You're going to get to see Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, and I don't think that because Tony Romo is out that it interrupts necessarily what they really want to do with this offense. They're going to test drive that. We do bold predictions every week. It's a sponsored piece that you have to kind of you know whip out some sort of wild prediction. And I did. I said that this game is going you have to, to whip produce. It, whip it out. Got to whip it out in writing with your keyboard and your or your typewriter of your house. And you hold a, hold a typewriter. Whoa. What am I talking about? But anyways, <laughs> I said this game would produce 102 points. Wow, that is 102 points. If it does not, 
I, David Ely, our editor downstairs, will buy roughly $900 worth of Chinese food for the newsroom. We've outlined what he <laughs> wow, will buy. Wow, so $9,000. I am that confident that Ely will not be spending money on Sunday. Can we bring it up? And if you're watching along, but we could explain it to you too. The board right now, that, that Romo uh, graphic with and without him, I think that is definitely – Pertinent. I mean, if you look back, one and eleven without Tony Romo in 2015, less than 16 points a game. That's with Brandon. But it could Whedon. be a different situation, right? That, For the we... first time, they might have a chance to still be a top-level offense if Dak Prescott is for real. I don't want to get suckered in by the preseason, but how could you not be? I think they will play? be. Yeah, I think that graphic should also say without a healthy Des Bryant too, right? Without yeah. Ezekiel Elliott, and with three of the worst quarterbacks. In the entire NFL, Matt Castle, Brandon Weed, and, and Kellen Moore. I, I I don't think you put Dak Prescott anywhere near that trio of quarterbacks. You don't know how tough this matchup is, though, because on, on paper, the Giants were one of the worst defense in the league last year, but with the defensive line changes that they made, uh, with the secondary looking a little deeper, Eli Apple quietly had a nice preseason. seemed like he looked like he belonged. I mean, the Giants' defense should be a lot better this year. You're, you're saying they 102 be, points won't be scored in this game. Saying they should be respectable. <laughs> By the I, way, uh, Sunday Night Football, Week 14, Giants. Called it. Don't Surprise. Worry. Of course. There we go. And I'm excited. You know, Dez is my boy. Peak Dez back in the building. He's calling himself, quote, unstoppable and had this to say, I'm going to catch anything that's thrown to me. Well, that's for, that's for you for doubting him all offseason. Hey, I didn't doubt him. You, used you to said be he was done. Brain. Listen. You said he was done. In my <laughs> findings, I have found. <laughs> that's a good point. You, in my findings. You say he was done. Bad feet and bad back, bad news. I like, but now you're back, you're back in though. I like what I'm hearing from him. Okay. I like this new bit where you are, cons- you know, at this point in two shows, you've decided your findings on various issues four or five times. <laughs> you guys don't know what I'm doing when you're not seeing. That me. is very true. A lot of research. I have my own lab. <laughs> I will discuss. It's in a hollowed out volcano in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In uh, off season podcast. A video podcast. I will take everyone down into my lair, where I find I have findings that I find, including the police. <laughs> I have a few things I'd like to find in that lair. Ooh, what was that? Are you hitting on me? <laughs> Can we press on? Yes, let's move on. The Detroit Lions. You know, we don't like the Detroit Lions as a team this season. If you're following along with podcasts, and we're getting a lot of, we're getting some pop in in the Twitter world. Why are you guys disrespecting the Lions? Well, they, uh, Greg, there's a lot of holes on this team, but they get to go uh, in Week One to face an Indianapolis team that has plenty of holes themselves. This is a great Week One matchup for the Lions to find the injury depleted. Colts roster offensive line certainly has question marks for Indianapolis. I was surprised to see that, you know, in this in this desert town you speak of that they're looked at as pretty big underdogs Because to me. I don't see the Colts as a favorite or a heavy favorite against any NFL team right now. I am excited to see what Andrew Luck comes out with. You know, I, I read this ESPN, the magazine article, which I recommend on him, Humble which <laughs> which <laughs> Made me start thinking, like, it, is every, it's almost kind of Andrew Luck sitting there. It's like, everyone forgot about me? Has everyone forgot about, like, how unbelievably exciting I am? And I could see this being, talk about 100 points, a game where the offenses just go, run wild back and forth. Colts dropped 40 points on the Lions in this game. Everybody's wringing their hands over one quarter of action with the Colts' offensive line. I think their offensive line is going to be better than last year, and I'm not that worried about their line. I think this is a high-octane offense. It's the two teams that have failed to produce a 100-yard rusher for years on end at this point, and it shows. I, I don't 
think that the Colts, outside of Andrew Luck, and we've harped on about this, are a balanced team, and neither are the Lions. It's, it's a great week one matchup because you've got two really rather mystical teams going up against each other, and I think that the one reason the, the, the so-called favorite versus underdog is, is because a lot of people that aren't following football just think, oh, the Colts are going to rush right back into the AFC championship now that Luck's back. That is not this team. I'm going to throw out something with the Lions here. A little, you know, a little Ewing theory type speculation here, because if you want to look positively, this is a good week one matchup. Novante Davis in that secondary for Indy. I really like Marvin Jones this year. I really like Golden Tate. Neither guy's a number one receiver, but they're both very good number twos, and that, that's a lot more than you could say for a lot of other teams. And maybe if Amir Abdullah has the season we thought he was going to have last year, this, there's some reason for hope that this team can score points. It's a fun offense to watch. I think this is going to be a game with a lot of possessions. This is back back when I did the old uh, fantasy. This is an everyone in the pool game. You got someone on one of these teams, just put them in. Because the Lions, the Lions and the Giants, if I had to guess, who's going to be the, the fastest teams in the league, especially early in the season? I think it's the Lions and the Giants. The Lions are just going to run up and down Cooter. the field, not make any substitutions. They have the offense to do it and see if you can outscore the other team. So this is the year, according to you, that we may finally pay some attention to Detroit. We pay attention. We have paid ago. very little attention. The, to the key Lions. to football in the NFL. Whoa, is. let me write this down. Hang on. You ready? Yes. His findings. The, I found this to be true. <laughs> key over to football. This is big. Double teams. Can you draw them and can you beat them? In the last two years, the Lions have lost one on offense and one on defense. Mm. Calvin Johnson and Dominic and Sue. Who do they have left on their roster who draws or beats double teams? Maybe Ziggy Ansa. Ansa. That's it. That's the list. All right, let's move on, gentlemen, to Sunday night football on, yes, the throne of sleeves. Because it's going to be a little different this year, Greggy. A little bit different in New just, England. Just Greg. <laughs> it ends at the Greg. I thought you hammered that home, Greg. A little bit different. Terrible name, by the way, Greg. Don't name your kids Greg. No one does anymore. So that's it's out. It's been it's been phased it's like out. Like Gary, you're my Greggy, Greg. It's better than Gary. <laughs> I want to tell you that Tom Brady is not playing in this game. It's happening. The suspensions it, it held. Thankfully, he was brought to justice, Wes. And what? At a streak, <laughs> Tom Brady was brought to justice. There's a rule for this. It's twenty five thousand dollar fine. Well, you know who agrees with you, Carson Palmer. He said, "Yeah, he did." The punishment. He's got to do the crime. Look at the full quotes from Carson Palmer. He was a lot more mealy mouthed about it than that. Uh, (laughs) Well, just because he didn't speak well doesn't mean that he he didn't have that opinion. But anyway, he gave about fourteen different opinions in one paragraph. Tom Brady started, and this even goes back to. Let's stick on Deflategate, please, for the three (laughs) minutes we have for this game. Bill Simmons joining the show soon. Yeah, the dreaded 2008 season opener. Um, for the the Patriots. Tommy started that game too, famously, of course. So 14 straight years, Tom Brady has been your opening day quarterback. Not the case this year. And now here comes Jimmy Garoppolo, and we're finally going to get to see if this guy can play. And let me say something. You know, not only is he going to be in the primetime spotlight, this man hasn't started a football game since 2013 against Towson. In Maryland, uh, he's going to be noivous, Greg. He's going to be noivous. Underrated squad in Towson. I liked what they did. The uh, Tigers. You know, Bill Belichick knows not just how to accentuate strengths, but to limit weaknesses. I don't think they're going to put everything on Garoppolo. Talk about a team that's going to play fast this weekend. I don't think they're going to uh, play 
in a huddle a lot. I think they're going to play in a two-minute offense as much as you can. And if Rob Gronkowski doesn't play in this game, their chance— He's going to play, right? No, it sounds, oh, sounds, no. sounds like this is very much up in the air, has barely if practiced, if at all, uh, since Called August himself 15th. week to week. Two sources tell the Boston Herald that Gronk will play Sunday, barring an unexpected— our own, uh, our own NFL media insider, Ian Rappaport— I go to outside sources personally. <laughs> definitely raising some, some caution flags mm. here. Gronk himself raising caution flags, saying he's nowhere near 100% and will likely be a game-time decision, called himself week-to-week. If you don't have Tom Brady and and Gronk, that is – traditionally in New England, without Gronk, they're an average offense. Right. I mean, that – and going up – going on the road in one of the toughest places to play against one of the best teams in in football, it's about as hard a a test as you could have for Bill Belichick's coaching abilities. I mean, if there's any staff that I trust to take a Jimmy Garoppolo – and over the course of a full-off, two full-off seasons, frankly, give him a lot of work and develop him. This is the staff. This is Bill Belichick. This is Josh McDaniels. I, I don't think that it's going to be some sort of offensive dud by the Patriots, but they are playing a team that you want to talk about the Cardinals had their issues in the preseason. I mean, give me a break. Your, They're going to be fine on offense. Your point is taken, but this coaching staff did not develop Ryan Mallett. They didn't develop Brian Hoyer. No, but they also didn't. They also they also got rid of those quarterbacks. They, you know, you get used to you spend a certain amount of time, and then they make a move on him. They seem to think with Jimmy Garoppolo that there is a completely different type of player here. They talk about him. They the thought neck that up. about those last two guys. Well, and I don't hear them talk about Ryan Mallett that way. Ryan Mallett was tucked away, and no one heard from him for three years. Jimmy Garoppolo has right. They has their confidence to more of a degree. He has to. They tried to have Mike Lombardi trade trade Ryan Mallett for them through NFL Network airwaves, essentially for a couple years. They were trying to get rid of Ryan. Nice callback, Ryan. Are you calling Mike Mayock a mouthpiece for Michael? Michael Lombardi, I said. Well, Mayock was the one who was coming out, speak, writing weeds. I'm not about, saying. I'm not saying Ryan Mallett. Let's go down this road, please. I want to know if Honey Badger is Honey Badger. Everyone, yes. maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Brandon Williams is starting at cornerback. It's a thin position for Arizona. If Gronk is healthy, this is a team in the Patriots that are going to want to play four or five uh, on the outside the whole time and, and see if these cornerbacks can play. Brandon Williams is interesting because if Tom Brady's the quarterback, he he is attacking him relentlessly almost every down, and I don't know if Garoppolo can do that. Dan, I uh, yes. I went down to a laboratory, too. Found, you did. Did you use mine? I, know I gave you my spare key when I'm away. I, I found. Uh, do you know what happened the last time Tom Brady didn't start week one for the Patriots that season? What happened? What happened? They won the Super Bowl. That's what happened. Okay. You're going all the way back in the, the time a, machine to 2001. A That's a fact. Is all there right, buddy. any relevance to that? Well, he was trying to make it sound like it's just because Brady doesn't start week one that they're in trouble. I sense never a know. little, a a little bit of concern on Greg's part. Yeah, that was uh, that seemed a little yeah, desperate. A little bit of concern. They're in trouble every time Tom Brady doesn't start a game. Uh, let's move on. And by the way, uh, can can we make a note, Sid? Uh, Carrie Underwood's new song debuting before this game. I'd like to clip that off and listen to it on the show. All right. I will be fine with or without it. <laughs> you must have missed, uh, Dan. That that they released the song, I believe, on iTunes yeah. for, for all the big Sunday night song fans out there. <laughs> what basically a, me. I mean, talk. I would be scared of the list of people that bought that song a week ahead of time on on iTunes. The name's under Dan. I think the name is Oh Sunday Night. Is that what? They, what? Should, people should be on a watch list. Is it a Christmas Carol? No, I mean, first of all, that's a Grammy award winning songstress. So let's give her some respect. And number two, I even though it's on iTunes, I'm waiting till Sunday night because okay. I want the whole package, the multimedia yeah. package. I mean, the only positive out of this entire charade is that the old song has been deep sixed. Yeah, it's over for the old song. 
Enough of that. I miss the pink version. Joan Jett stuff. I like, you know, Joan Jett is a, a, a legend, but it's time for something new, and that's what Carrie brought. <laughs> Moving on. Monday Night Football, two games. Greg loves the Monday Night Football doubleheader week one every year. And uh, we'll talk about the Steelers at Redskins first. It's, you know, let's hear about the Redskins here, Greg, because they had uh, nine wins against teams at 500 and below last year. They have to beat some good teams to really get us to believe in them a little bit, and the Steelers are a good team. I don't know if we've talked about any NFL team less than the Redskins over the last three or four months. Does that seem right? It's it's weird how, how little that we've – talked about well for once they're drama free with Robert Griffin not there I think they've enjoyed the the lack of drama there what I don't think they'll enjoy is Kirk Cousins coming back to the pack I don't know if this is the week that it happens the Steelers have a lot of questions in the secondary Uh, I don't know if they're going to be a great defense this year but I do expect Kirk Cousins to kind of not turn into a pumpkin but to turn into a mid-level starter again who would you say the NFL cognoscenti thinks will win this game the Steelers. The Steelers. I'm calling for an upset. I think the Redskins are going to win this game at home. And I'm not sure without Le'Veon Bell, without Martavis Bryant, maybe the Redskins have a more powerful offense. I'm with you, Wes. I think that playing at home on Monday night, Steelers a little bit undermanned. I, I would not be surprised at all if the Redskins won that, and that would be my pick. This is one game that I think they did a good job with Monday Night Football because one of the biggest offseason moves was Josh Norman, who right out of the gate gets Antonio Brown. That's a huge part of this. And then in week two gets Des Bryant, week three Odell Beckham. So Josh, we're going to find out real quick what's going on with Josh, with Josh Norman, Norman. not going to be shadowing Antonio Brown. And honestly, is Josh Norman that much better than Bashad Breeland? I don't think he is. No. And I want to see, though, is – We've heard a lot of good things about Deshaun Jackson this offseason. What what Deshaun Jackson are you getting? What Pierre Garçon are you getting? Because it wasn't really Pierre Garçon last year. Uh, Jordan Reed seems healthy, seems like he's going to be a breakout player. If those three guys are as good as they possibly can be, then I don't think Cousins can blow this, and they'll be they'll be fine. They'll win games. They'll score points. So they would. So for the first time in two seasons with Kirk Cousins, they'd beat a winning team. This is a zero zero team, I guess. But I mean, it just. Come on, like that's the one thing I'm, the Redskins did not do last season. I'm taking the Steelers. I mean, I would I would take Ben Roethlisberger in this matchup any time. And I, I think year two in this Steelers defense, they did change it a little bit last year. They're going to be better. You want to bring back hero picks? Your boy Ryan Shazier. You want to bring back hero picks? Well, we'd have to all be actually picking the games each time. We're kind of sometimes picking, sometimes not. The Thursday night game, I got a hero pick. So I might go one up on the whole group. Well, you're either in or out. You can't be honking about your hero pick victory <laughs> if, Fair if, point. if that game turns out in your favor. You got Here's your chance. We yes don't, we're no. not even making picks anywhere. Where are you making these picks? That, right now, we'll decide. We'll make the picks if you're in. Are, are we in last step on this? I'm in. If Greg gets back in on hero well, picks, we'll Where is picks. it even being kept track of? It's not. On this podcast. Do. Yeah, I think, I think it's. Nick Fortier will add a column on the website. Bingo. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Nick's like, I have two jobs. Yeah. I've got a family. Checks Who are you people? Well, not maybe I'll save Nick. Maybe not Nick, but somebody. Unless well, Nick wants to do it. I'll consider it during the off week. We haven't made the this week's picks yet, so. What we can, we we can run late. them down right now. It's too much pressure. All right, let's yeah. talk after the show. Listeners right, drifting away. <laughs> Moving on to the final Monday night game and the final game of do the we week. we have to talk about this one? Oh, we should talk every about week. Game. One game is a special, all flowers. special, a special little flowers. This all one's a little more special. Them all. Uh, <laughs> the L.A. Rams uh, open up their season, uh, not in L.A. yet, 
They will that will happen the following week. They will now play against the 49ers at Levi's Stadium West, site of Super Bowl 50. And Mark, uh, spin me some gold. Why is this a game people should stay up late to watch? I think it's historically significant for the most obvious reason of all. The last time the L.A. Rams were the L.A. Rams and played a game was Christmas Eve, two, uh, 1994, back when Greg was about six years old. That's 7,934 days ago. So, yes, for that alone, I think if you are a football historian, that matters. But I, the note... To go off what Wes said. Does that really matter? It hasn't even I been 8,000 days. I think it does matter. What I did write, though, was the, or the, these are the two most, for me, the two most depressing preseason journeys colliding in week one. Because did you watch the Bears? Uh, the Bears are up there, but the Bears didn't have the expectations, okay. I don't think, in some way. Because if you're Chip Kelly's offense, you want to see – you know, the 49ers come out with a new reimagined identity. We saw none of that. There's just nothing happening with the skill position group in San Francisco. And if you're the Rams, the Rams topped the Niners by a million miles because didn't, people didn't think San Francisco would be very good. You're getting Blaine Gabbert versus Case Keenum because the guy that you traded up for the number one pick, Jared Goff, is sitting as your number three quarterback right now after one of the most underwhelming summers by a number one pick in our lifetime. So I would be very concerned if you're a fan of either team. It's going to be a long autumn. Well, that makes it a big game, though. That makes it a, a not yeah, until makes week it, two. What's, I, a, what's a big I game? This I'm one? saying this is a big game for these two coaching staff and these two teams because if you can't pick sell off, it, Greg. If you can't pick off either one of them, it's going to feel real hopeless. I don't think the the Rams are so. It's like a check sticking out of Greg's pocket with an ESPN <laughs> logo. on I don't think the Rams are so talentless that it's crazy to imagine that defense putting together some wins this season. But if you're going to be in the mix and not be an effing 7-9 and nine team like Jeff Fisher, maybe it's not a big game for the 49ers. It's a big game for the Rams. Win this you got to win this game. Go, go to San Francisco or Santa Clara, win that game. Because if you lose that game, 7-9 and nine or worse is almost virtually guaranteed because the schedule is going to tighten up. got to win these types of games. You, find, you have to. I find it interesting that while we were recording this podcast – NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reported that... His NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, new branding inside the building. NFL Network insider... Yeah, ooh. Rap sheet. Yeah. ...reported that the Rams and Broncos discussed the Case Keenum trade during the preseason. And once the Broncos liked how Trevor Simeon played, that trade didn't go down. Wow, the Rams like Sean Mannion, too. Well, we know that. Yeah. I, I think that that's the only explanation for that. We might see Sean Mannion... We will. I wouldn't be surprised. Here's at the all. thing: I'm excited to watch this game. I know that sounds crazy. I'm not just saying that to say I. I legitimately am. I think the 49ers could be fun. But as exciting <laughs> as this, Wait, what? I think the 49ers are so weird that that Chip Kelly, who I'm fascinated by, with this bizarre group of players let that he ask, has to coach. I just want to see what happens. Let me ask you this: Is it a good Wrap idea up, to play? the most up-tempo offense in the league with a, such a talent-poor roster that you'd be doing three and outs over and over Against and the over. great front seven. And what I was going to get right. to was it okay. probably isn't going to live up to my own hype because these defenses are both so much better than the opposing offenses. It'll probably be nine to six. Well, all right, we'll can't see. even stop talking about it. One last thing is Chip Kelly's defense. Wow, what a game this must be. Well, there is a lot going on. It's week one. But, I mean, Chip Kelly's defenses have always suffered, and defensive players start to grumble for how often they're out on the field. Jim O'Neill is your defensive coordinator who came out of Cleveland. What was the resume there? Couldn't stop the run to give a damn for two years in a row. And now you're trying to stop Todd Gurley in week one. There's your test. Let's find out what kind of defense you have in San Francisco. We will be back on Sunday night. 
with our week one recap show where we recap all the games. So make sure you check that out. Uh, but until then, uh, it is time, everyone, to watch actual football that counts. Woo! So let's do it. Until Sunday, this is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm. Dumb mailman. Like the bears, get it? <laughs> the boss and La Cid behind the glass. Tell real football! This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended silver unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.